Introducing the Starwood Preferred Guest American Express Luxury Card, which is proud to support Let's Talk Points. Experience next-level luxury with this new card and earn 100,000 bonus points. Enjoy a $300 statement credit, an annual free night award, and gold elite status when qualifying for the card. Terms and conditions apply. Visit AmericanExpress.com slash SPG Let's Talk Points. Welcome to Let's Talk Points, a podcast from Marriott Traveler. In each episode, we share the true stories of incredible experiences from real holders of the Star Wars Preferred Guest American Express Luxury Card. Today, we speak to Eli, who has redeemed hundreds of thousands of points over the years to follow his passion for Formula One, including spending time with the world championship-winning team Mercedes at the season-ending Etihad Airways Abu Dhabi Grand Prix in 2017. I'm your host, Dan Foreman. Now let's talk points. All right. Okay. So great, Dan. All right. Seven oh three number. Are you in the DC area? Uh, yes, I'm actually down uh, by the Quantico Marine Base, a little town called Southbridge, Virginia. Sure, sure. Uh, so, we're, we're up outside of D.C. Marriott's headquarters are in Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah, I used to work for Marriott what? a long time ago. What? Yes, uh, when I uh, back in the uh, back in the my, back in the late '80s, uh, down on the third floor in the architecture and construction division. Oh wow! And what are you doing now? So I was uh, now I work for SMACNA. It's uh, a trade association that represents sheet metal and air conditioning contractors. Uh, both here in the U.S., Canada, and around the world, and I run the engineering group for them and write uh, engineering standards. Wow, so, very, very different. Still, yeah, a little different. I still still hang out with some of the guys. I hang out. Still run across some of the guys from Merritt that I worked with in the past. Uh, I think Sonny Scarf, who was up in life safety, I think he retired a ways ago. Um, some of the finance guys that I knew kind of went about their way to other other groups and so forth. But occasionally I run across somebody that's uh, still there, the building, before they move to, uh, where are you guys going, downtown Silver Spring? Or? Downtown Bethesda. Downtown Bethesda. Exactly, yep. in a yep. few more years. Wow, so it's such yeah. a small world. Is, is that where you first learned about the rewards, the value of rewards programs and maybe co-branded credit cards? Uh, no, that actually not. Uh, I did learn the value of uh, the concierge level and uh, staying at all the Marriott hotels very, very quickly, um, and that's what probably got me uh, to stay predominantly now when I travel. It's 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 part of the Marriott brand because I know exactly how they're designed on the mechanical side, the, the domestic hot water systems, all that stuff, and I feel comfortable um, whether it's a courtyard or a full service Marriott or JW or a residence in. If I can find it, I'll be there. And you're going to get hot water, cold water. It's going to it's going to work. <laughs> it's going to get hot water for sure because I know the way we size things, we greatly oversize things because the whole philosophy of my uh, boss told me, he goes, you never want to go into a hotel room and run out of hot water. So true. Number one. <laughs> and number two, if you want to run your air conditioning in the dead of January and make your room 50 degrees, you sure can because you're paying for that room. And if you want to make it 90 degrees in the middle of, Jan- middle of June, you sure can. That's you. <laughs> so we give you the option on the controls of the temperature. 
<laughs> Once so, I learned that and got that sucking sunk into my brain, everything was good. <laughs> You're so true. So tell me now. Yeah. Now, where do you find yourself traveling? Is it domestic, international? I do right now about seventy-five percent domestic travel and twenty-five percent international. Um, I just came back. I was uh, actually uh, in the Marriott in Milan, Italy, for a couple of days, and also up in Zurich, Switzerland, just last week. Oh. At the uh, Marriott, at the Renaissance Marriott um, property there. Um, business in Zurich, and then a little holiday down in Milan. Ah, a little holiday. Can't beat that. Yeah. And how did you decide? So you use the SBG Amex. Has, has that been your preferred card for a while? Or is that a new development? Uh, the SPG card has been my preferred card, let's say, for the last half a dozen years, let's say. Um, and and that's what I've been utilizing for a lot of my international and, and also domestic travel. How did you decide on that one? I want to say it was just a random decision. There was no real, let's dig into it and find out how this card's better than that card or this other card. It was kind of a random thing no that's great uh, and maybe uh-huh. the the promising sign up bonus might have helped but you've been using it to book your travel <laughs> yeah. and uh, everyday spend so you must have racked up the points oh easily rack up the points with that yes that's that's a that's a that's that's a no-brainer on racking up the points uh with that card i use that again for pretty much 90 percent, 95 percent of my travel uh all airline tickets train tickets uh hotels uh, Uber, whatever the service is, I try to run um, run back through that card. Uh, food, beverage, uh, clothing purchases every now and then. <laughs> so pretty much everything. And so, how uh, did you? Pretty much everything. Yeah. How did you decide uh, to look into these experiences instead of using them for hotel redemption stays? Um, because I travel so much, I have so many points. The hotel redemption piece um, didn't really benefit me much because I would go on a trip and let's say I would go to Zurich and I'd stay there for two days on business. And then I'd just go ahead and get a hotel in Milan and go down there and hang out for two days uh, and just pay and get the points um, from paying for the room in lieu of using points for the room. Um, If I was using points for the room, usually I would give them away to my brother uh, his wife, if they needed something, I'd give them some points to go stay at a, a hotel or something of that nature. Um, as far as the 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 experiences piece is, I'm a big sports fan, a big um, uh, wine person, and I saw that the SPG and then now Merit had these reward programs out there that you could utilize and cash in for some of the events. And uh, I'm big in the in the motor racing. I love Formula One. It goes around the world. And actually, the first one I ever used was uh, utilizing points to win an award uh, to go be a guest of the Mercedes-Benz Formula One team for a full day in Suzuka, Japan. And I bid on it kind of, oh, um, just thinking, I'll bid on it. I'm not going to get this. It's all the way in Suzuka. And I won it. Then I had to figure out how to get to the Zuka Japan, <laughs> get a hotel, and so forth. You know, that that becomes the problem. You win it, now you gotta you gotta move forth with it. Uh, I was able to find the Marriott there in Nagoya. 
which was about an hour from the, eh, might have an hour, maybe 45 minutes from the racetrack. And it worked out perfectly. Um, they had a separate little table just for me as the awards winner. So I had my own little table in this very big suite with all these other people running around. Um, the drivers of the team came and said hello and spoke to me for a couple of minutes, uh, all their top engineers and marketing people. And after that, I was like, okay, I got to have to keep doing this. <laughs> and once the people from the team see you once and get to know you, you win another one and another one, and then you become part of the family. So it's now, I don't want to say it's a tradition, but it almost is a tradition. I got it. I have to be at two, three, four races a year. Wow. Um, so when you met Lewis Hamilton, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the driver, he now yep. kind of remembers you. Uh, you know, when I show up there, they do wow. believe it or not, because you're at a table and if they see you four or five times a year, they know your face. They might not remember exactly your name, but they'll say, hey, weren't you at Silverstone earlier? Yeah. I said, yeah, I was. Okay, yeah. Weren't you in Abu Dhabi at that party? Yeah, I was there. Oh, okay, yeah, I remember you. Now we did the photo and so forth. You had the Tiger shirt on. I said, yeah, that was me. So they remember little things like that uh, because they meet so many people for all these events. Um, but at the racetrack, because you're in the actual suite uh, or in their motorhome area, um, it's just a limited amount of people in there. So when they come through, they see the same people, and all of a sudden they see you. I remember you. You actually came over for a testing in Barcelona and hung out for two days with us in testing, which we thought was the craziest thing in the world. Some guy flies all the way from Washington, D.C. to Barcelona, uh, Spain, to watch us test the car for two days. Yeah, what about that? So what goes into testing uh, a Formula One car? They drive it around the track? Uh, yeah, what it is is I've, I've been. It's another uh, award I won. Uh, it, was, it was just for one day, but what happened is the second day they were doing testing and they asked me if I was going to fly back home, and I said yeah. And they said, can you change your ticket? I said why? He goes, we'll just have you stay for tomorrow too. No sense you coming all the way here for one day. So they actually gave me a second day, uh, <laughs> kind of for free, just to be there. Um, but basically, in testing, what they're trying to do is trying to figure out the you know. Eat, each year they build a brand new car, so they're trying to get all the um, the niggles and giggles out of it and little potential problems that might happen. Um, and they start at 9 in the morning, and they run till 5 o'clock, and it's this constant running of the car. Endurance runs to see how well the tires work, how well the engine works, different setups. Um, and you have a chance to sit in the back of the garage, and the test I went to was myself. It was the head of Daimler, which owns Mercedes and everything. His son, there was one guy from one other big-time guest they had from England, and that was it. So There was just four of us in the back of this garage the entire day. And as an engineer, were you able to offer any suggestions on how to make the car go faster? No. As an engineer, what you can do is just have a – for me, it was just having a conversation with their race engineers to try to understand – you know, what they're doing with the car and what they do to make it go faster. They're not going to give you any trade secrets, and they would not, even on a mechanical engineer, they're not going to take uh, too much advice from me. But uh, <laughs> at least when they have a conversation with me, we're, we're talking the same language. It's not like they've got to explain this to me uh, because I understand what they're talking about. They must um, love and again, it. they're not going to – oh, it, it is. It's fun. It's fun. It makes them a little bit more of a, a comfort zone when they're talking to you. Because a lot of times when they talk to someone that doesn't understand anything about a V6 hybrid engine, they got to go into the basics of it and try to 
you know, build your knowledge up. Whereas me, they can start way up high and then we'll just talk about a couple of minor setup things and so forth because kind of once the season gets going, there's not a lot much more you can do uh, change-wise. I guess the example I can give you in NASCAR here in the States, um, uh, they're looking to make up one and two seconds of speed on the car. In a Formula One car, if you come out first race of the season and you're one second or two seconds behind everybody, your season is pretty much done. Is that right? Because you, you'll never be able to make up that amount of time because the top team at the next race, they'll have picked up two tenths of a second and then next race, another couple of tenths. And as you try to catch up, they keep going further away. So that one second gap pretty much stays there the entire year. Um, that's why it's so difficult formula one for anybody from a, a lower rung team to beat, you know, teams like Mercedes, um, or Ferrari, uh, Red Bull groups like that, that have great aero packages great engines and uh, they come out of the box looking good. And if you come out of the box, a second behind, you're just going to struggle trying to catch up to them. Yeah. And at the end of the year, you'll, you'll have probably caught up to where they were at the beginning of the year. How did so. you get into this sport? You know, it's not obviously that popular in the States yet. No. Uh, Formula one for me was uh, just growing up watching on uh, date myself a little bit on wild world of sports. Um, if I remember old Wild World of Sports, of they would show Formula One as a as a little kid. I'm sitting in front of the TV, and we'd see I'd see this race from Monaco, and it would always be on tape delay, like two three weeks after the race happened, and you have these exotic race cars running through the, the streets of the Principality, and it just the noise, the sound, um, the celebrities, you know, there's the prince, the princess there of Monaco. It's just like holy cow, what is this stuff? It just really intrigued me. Um, and I was always mechanically inclined. So then it just became a passion of mine to figure out, okay, how can you get this car that runs at 19,000 RPM? It's got a V10 engine in it and it can stay together and someone can drive it at the speeds they drive in a small little city, like the principality of Monaco. It's just still amazing to this day to watch them when they race there. How many races have you been to? Uh, I do about five to six a year. So this is so a thing. Let's go all the way back to let's go all the way back to 2000. I guess it was the very first race I actually physically went to in Montreal. And back then I was doing maybe one or two a year, but now over the last let's say five years, five six years, it's been about five to six races a year. Um, this year I did Melbourne already, Melbourne Australia, uh, Montreal Canada the British uh, Grand Prix at Silverstone uh, just came back from Monza for the race in Italy. Uh, I'll be going to the race in Austin, Texas, our U.S. race, and then I'll finish the season off uh, at the race in Abu Dhabi. That is then, amazing. That's the, the yeah. passion you have for this sport is, uh, and the, the fact that you have the time to be able to go and experience this. I'm yeah, a... I make the time available. These are my vacations, and I make it available or tied in with business somehow and, and make it work. Um, the other great thing, I guess, about it, Dan, is you don't see many Americans at a lot of the races. You get a few here or there, but not as many as what you think overseas. Yeah, so. well, that's what I've said. You know, I have obviously grew up around NASCAR, and I've been mm -hmm. to a couple races over the years. Um, 
and it's really powerful. And actually, I found comes to find comes to life when you're actually there and you hear it and yes. smell, and it's just a a powerful sport. And I got to imagine yes. the elegance of Formula One really uh, elevates the entire experience. Um, yes, it's a very elegant sport, but it's um, also a very professional sport. Um, it is very structured. Um, so you, the day goes quite well. Uh, it doesn't matter if it rains, they'll put rain tires in the cars and run them out there at Monza. As a matter of fact, we had rain on Friday. Didn't stop anything. They put intermediate wets on or full wets and out they go on track, (laughs) which to see a car run in the rain is, is just tremendous at the speeds they run. And they're just running around in the rain out there. How fast do they get up to? Is it 200? Uh, yeah, on a, a place like Monza or Spa on the main uh, main straightaway, they'll get up to 200, 212 miles an hour. Some I've seen, let's see, back when they had some really unlimited engines, uh, BMW had a qualifying engine that revved up to 20,000 RPM, and they were hitting 225 in Montreal on, on that short straightaway, which was tremendous. Um, it The speed of the cars is be honest with you, is speed of a NASCAR, speed of an Indy car, speed of a Formula One car, they're fast. The difference is the braking power. Um, a Formula One car, best way I can tell you, if you're driving 200 miles an hour and you're going into a corner, I can get you probably within 30, 40 feet of that corner before I apply the brakes. Oh, you're, you're stopping on a dime almost. You're able to turn. Right. Whereas other cars, you've got to you've got to get the braking going way, way, way in advance. That's the thing about a Formula One car: the braking power of these cars is tremendous. I mean, the, the carbon fiber or braking systems on these things, what, they're like five thousand dollars a piece for the uh, carbon brakes they run on the fronts and the rears. And what's the difference between a Formula One car and an Indy car? Um, a Formula One car is a each team constructs their own car. That's the regulations okay. um, versus NASCAR, NASCAR, I'm sorry, IndyCar. Uh, everyone has the same chassis, which is Dahlia out of Italy. And then you have either a Chevy engine or a Honda engine. And then you're given a certain aero package. And then you can make tweaks to that aero package. Uh, and that's what you have for IndyCar. Formula One, you and I would have to build our own chassis. We would have to manufacture our own engine. We would have to manufacture all of our parts for the car, all the aero package, and we would just have to make sure it fits within this template that the governing body gives us for building the car. So our front wing might look substantially different than someone else's front wing because we've decided our philosophy is a little different. We think in the wind tunnel we can gain more time this way versus another group of engineers think they can get it that way. So it's really a Um, battle of engineers. And Formula One, uh, it is a battle of aerodynamic engineers and it's a battle of engine engineers. Did you ever um, think of, of, you know, obviously your passion is, is shining through here. Did you ever think of mm-hmm. applying your engineering degree or going back and, and transitioning to aer- aerodynamic engineering? You know, I've talked to a few of the guys, <laughs> believe it, within some of the teams. And uh, if an opportunity arose, I would probably jump on it. Even if it's just for a few years, I'd jump on it. Um, have I kind of pushed to look for it? No, but if the opportunity arose, 
I would probably take a hard look at it. Uh, there's a couple of people there that now work in Formula One management that have just been talking to me about, hey, would you, you know, have an interest in, in you know, being like a, um, uh, a liaison person for us in the, in the Formula One paddock club or doing something like that? And I'd say, well, well yeah, I, I think about it, sure. Um, if it gets you access to races, fun, right? Well, it gets me access to races. I'm there for every race. Uh, yeah, you're working at that point uh, for Formula One. But, um, you know, I would definitely uh, keep my uh, keep my options open on that. So uh, I've never been to a Formula One race. I'd love to check one out. Where's the best place mm-hmm. to watch a race, or do you move around? Um, you don't really move around because it's a road course, um, and plus the races – are maxed out at two hours. So it'd be a little difficult to move around to different areas because Spa, for example, in Belgium is basically it's 4.2 mile race circuit. Um, and it's up and down through the Ardennes forest and you could truck around the track. It'd take you a long time um, to get around at the different spots. Uh, a lot of people like to be at the first corner. A lot of action happens at the first corner. Um, up in the paddock club, you're kind of on the main straight away for the start finish line. Um, what I try to do is on Fridays when I'm at the track, I try to go and venture to different corners on the track. And depending on where you're at uh, and what circuit you're at will depend on what corner. Okay. Um, for Monza, um, I go to the Parabolic on Friday morning. That's uh, that's basically where the cathedral speed happens at, uh, at Monza. And just to see the cars come through the Parabolica first time out is, is just awesome awe-inspiring and then from the parabolica you go over to the scary chicane at the uh, scary chicane um just to see how quickly the cars move through the corner um from there on friday using the afternoon they end up at the lesmos uh which is another great uh old section of the track that's kind of a little bit in the in the in the forest of the trees so it's kind of hidden back here so you kind of feel like you're by yourself back there at the side of the track as the cars come by and then, you know, back up to the main straightaway uh, when you get into qualifying and, and race day itself. So there's several races that you will see over a weekend. Uh, or not races, yes. but they, there's time trials or and then the actual yeah, race. They'll, right, they'll have several events. So on, on Friday, they run two 90-minute practice sessions. On uh, Saturday, they run a one-hour practice session. Then um, they run one-hour qualifying. And then the race, of course, happens on Sunday. Um, and in between there, they have a bunch of support races. Uh, Force your Super Cup runs. They have uh, the feeder series for Formula One, which is called uh, uh, GP2 and GP3. Um, and then they'll run um, some other support series. It might be the Ferrari um, World Cup racing series might run. Uh, they will also run uh, what, what are called uh, uh, VIP speed laps where the tire manufacturer Pirelli will give some lucky people out of the paddock club and along with some VIPs, uh, they'll run them on the track with one of the F1 drivers. We'll drive you around uh, the circuit, which is, uh, if, you, if you've never done that before, it's a blast. Oh, I bet. So tell um, me, how how did your experience differ with the, when you got the SPG moment? And it sounds like you've done mm-hmm. a few of them. How does that experience yes. differ from when you just go as a regular fan? Um, the SPG moment, you really get to spend more time with the team and in the garage. As a regular fan, if I were just in a regular Formula One paddock club, 
I might get to go into the back of the garage for 10 minutes, maybe 20. With SPG, I'm in the back of the garage, like on a Friday, for both sessions, both 90-minute sessions. I have my own chair, my own headphones, sit in the back, and I can listen to everything. And the team will check with me to see if I need a water, soda, whatever. Um, so I'm back there for the entire time. Uh, when I arrive in the morning for either uh, the circuit for breakfast, I sit and I eat with the team. Coffee, muffins, whatever. So I'm sitting there with the race engineers as they're talking about what they're going to be doing um, that day in practice. So you're almost an Lunchtime, honorary member. That's exactly what you are. You're an honorary member, basically. Lunch, you go sit, you have lunch. Usually it's with the hospitality ladies. Uh, and then occasionally you might get one of the drivers uh, at the, um, one of the test sessions. Uh, Nico Rosberg came and sat and had lunch with, with me because I was disturbed by myself. One of the hospitality girls, he came over and sat down and had uh, a little bit of fish and some pasta uh, for lunch. And it was great. We just, just chatted about, you know, life in general, the world and things like that. We didn't really talk about much about, about uh, racing. I did ask him, you know, how the practice went this morning, and he was very blunt with his language. <laughs> uh, I won't repeat it, but he was very blunt because it was very windy, and so they basically weren't getting good data. So he was kind of just wasting his time running all these laps because they weren't getting really good data. And that is the one thing about drivers. When they drive, they want to be able to feel the car, get good data. And if the conditions are bad, then they feel like they're wasting their time. Because they're not able to push the car, and that's that's what they want to do. They want to push the car. That's oh, yeah. the whole thrill for these guys. So, about how many points on all of the packages have you applied towards Formula One races? Ooh, the lowest amount I've ever used and won a award with was maybe twenty thousand points. Uh, the average has been in the range of fifty to ninety thousand points. So. If you take, let's say, the average of 50,000 points and do that three or four times a year, so that's 150,000 points now, uh, that I would use. <laughs> it's, it sounds like, are you, are you leaving any packages for anyone else? Are you're, I think you've monopolized the Formula One packages, probably. You, you, what, well, what they've done, they have put a limit now on it. Uh, you can only do a maximum of four packages Oh, per so, year. Okay. So they did put a max on it. So I can only do four Formula One packages, but I can bid on other stuff that's not related to Formula One. Okay, and have you? Uh, I had bid on a sailing one that I didn't get, a um, couple of food ones that I didn't get. So I had bid on some other stuff that haven't, haven't been able to secure them yet. So maybe it's to your benefit that Formula One is not huge in the U.S. yet. Uh, yes, but it's getting more popular. I know, every year. <laughs> Every year, it's those getting more popular every year. Yeah, more people are finding out about them, and you know now they're dropping a lot of points to to get there, and they're seeing what you get. Uh, Austin, Texas, for example, I know those numbers are going to be probably anywhere from three hundred thousand to five hundred thousand points for Austin, Texas, well, to be with the Mercedes team for one day. Well, the good news is you have that SBG MX in uh, all those yeah. points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, one last question for you. Uh, sure. If sure. you could design your perfect Formula One experience, what would it be? Hmm. Perhaps 
maybe a, a master class I, where you get to drive the car? Well, they're never going to let you drive a Formula One car unless you have a an FIA license or unless you happen to be Tom Cruise or some big movie star, maybe <laughs> the team will let you do it. I'm not a movie star. Um, the package I would probably try to do is something that would uh, engulf uh, uh, maybe uh, Monaco. And it's you spend a week on a yacht there for the race right. or race weekend there in the yacht. All right, Ritz and, Carlton uh, is going to launch a yacht. Yeah, then you're driven, you're driven around the track uh, by one of the F1 drivers and one of the most exotic cars on the market they have right now. Maybe it's a Lamborghini or something like that, and you get to go uh, hot laps with uh, with uh, one of the Mercedes drivers on Friday or Saturday or something or Sunday or something like that. Um, you then have the capabilities to actually be on the starting grid uh, for Formula One race, which is limited to a very, very limited select group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're out there for the first the 20 minutes of the start to the race, uh, and then you're able to watch the race uh, from either the pit wall or back in the garage for the duration. Um, and then you're able to go, you know, for the team dinner when they do a team dinner, uh, usually on uh, Friday or Saturday night. I have a chance to have a team dinner with uh, with the engineers and maybe even with the principal, like Mercedes has Toto Wolf and Nicky Lotta. Maybe you have a chance to have a sit-down dinner or a beer with those two guys, sounds, which would be a blast. This sounds amazing. I'm going to have to talk yeah. with the higher-ups and see if we can't uh, make this moment happen and put it up for bid. That would be yeah. killer. You would see some massive points thrown at that one. Trust me. Oh yeah, and I'd be right there. I'd be right in the middle of it. <laughs> well, Eli, thank you so much for your time. I can't thank you enough. I, I I feel like I know the sport a lot more now. I've got to get out to a race. Maybe one day our paths will cross, and you could uh, add a race, and you could really I, uh, walk me through it. I certainly hope so. And if I'm able to win something with two passes on there, I'll definitely give you a shout and hey, see if something will work out. You I know? will hold you to that. <laughs> uh, definitely hold hold me to that. You know where I'm at right down here in Northern Virginia. You're just across the river in, in Maryland, so we're close enough. Exactly. Well, Eli, thank you again. Take care. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Let's Talk Points, where we explore places you know, gain new perspectives, and share the unique member experiences that make travel special. Let's Talk Points is hosted by me, Dan Foreman. It is produced and edited by Goat Rodeo. To access more unique audio content from Marriott Traveler, Visit traveler.marriott.com slash podcasts and subscribe today. Introducing the Starwood Preferred Guest American Express Luxury Card, which is proud to support Let's Talk Points. Experience next-level luxury with this new card and earn 100,000 bonus points. Enjoy a $300 statement credit, an annual free night award, and gold elite status when qualifying for the card. Terms and conditions apply. Visit AmericanExpress.com slash SPG Let's Talk Points.
Marriott Traveler.